Welcome to the Cosmic Collective Podcast. I'm your host and psychic medium, Mads, and in this community, we talk about all things spiritual awakening, higher consciousness, and unlocking the path back to your soul. Welcome to the Collective. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are, hello. I'm so happy you're here. It feels like I have not recorded an episode on my own in so long. In September, I had gone through such a massive batch recording that I had everything up until last week's episode that you heard with Kayla from Akasha Awakened recorded. Her and I recorded a little bit later. We recorded on Halloween, but everything before her episode was recorded in like literally September. And so it really feels like I have not done this in a while. I'm not going to lie. I think I have like a little bit of like anxiety nausea. I think I'm a little nervous, which is so weird because I'm never nervous to record on a podcast, like at least not my own. I think I get nervous for guest features because that's an audience that I don't know, but I know you guys, or at least I like to think I do. Anyways, I thought it would be fun to answer a lot of your questions because I often get DMs with similar questions from people, like everyone's asking the same thing. And then I also opened up the floor on Instagram saying, hey, if you have questions, let me know and we will answer them, whatever it is that you want to know. Now, some people, actually it was just one person who was incredibly disrespectful, asking me things like if I would do OnlyFans. So... In case you missed my response to that, if you're on this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're in our Instagram community, let's just not do that. Let's not, let's not be disrespectful to a business owner. Like, I just think that's so weird. I also just find that women get these kinds of questions more than men do. I don't think men would get these kinds of questions at all. And so I kind of made a statement where I was like, if you are going to ask me something, consider if you would ask a straight white man that question. And if you would not ask a straight white man that question, don't fucking ask me it. Like, are you joking me? Like, would you go to Steve Jobs, rest his soul, and say, hey, Steve, founder of Apple, are you going to create an OnlyFans? The fuck? Literally, that shit gets such fuck you energy from me. I ended up replying privately to this person. And then I... (laughs) Then I posted. Anyway, it's fine. I replied privately to this person. Then I posted my reply to them. Not their responses, but my reply to them on my stories. Kind of being like, you know what? Like, even if you thought the question was anonymous, it's so incredibly disrespectful. And they apologized. They were like, sorry, I was just curious. And it's like, do you know how many times I'm curious about something? About someone? And I know that it is not correct to ask them. I have a very curious mind. There is a lot of things I would like to ask people about a lot of things I just don't particularly understand. Or maybe I'm just a nosy little fuck because honestly, sometimes I am. But I know as an adult not to ask. And I'm assuming if you're asking me about my sexuality and OnlyFans that you're an adult because no teenager should be knowing about OnlyFans. Anyways, that's my little pre-FAQ rant on the podcast, just to catch you up to speed. I just think it's so incredibly disrespectful. And like I think of other business owners and I see men in my field and I'm like, y'all don't deal with this at all. And they're like, nope, 
Now, it's rare that I have to deal with shit like that. Like, it really is so, so rare. Um, but in case you're wondering, I block people like that. So as much as she apologized and said, sorry, was just curious, my response was apology accepted, do better next time. And then I blocked her because I don't fucking tolerate that shit. And so that's how you play as boundaries and not tolerate disrespect. And hey, call me harsh. I don't really give a fuck. My community, I do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, I want to answer some questions that I get a lot of DMs about, like I already mentioned, and then I'm going to go through all of your questions you guys sent and like a literal fuck ton, and I'm so excited about it. I love when you guys have questions. I love FAQs. I love answering questions. I love talking. Why I have a podcast. So before I get into all of that, I want to let you know that there is going to be a free workshop later this month, November 22nd, 2023 at 7 p.m. Eastern. A replay will be sent out. So if you're looking to up-level your life, become a happier version of yourself, calm your nervous system, release some stored emotions, and get rid of your fucking limiting beliefs, then sign up below. It's in the show notes. It's completely free. A replay is going to be sent. And there's some really exciting stuff that I'm going to be launching and giving away in that workshop. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the episode. So make sure that you register below. And now we're going to jump into our FAQ. Let's jump into something fun, fresh, and easy. Someone said, why do I get goosebumps or shivers up my spine whenever I give thanks to guides or source for blessings? This is one of my favorite things. This is what we call chills or spirit tingles or a confirmation. And basically, it is the way that your spirit guides, the universe, source, your higher self, whatever it is that you believe in, is going to acknowledge and say, yep, we heard you, or yep, that's accurate, or yep, you're on the right track. It's like a little yes nudge from the universe. And it's so different than like cold chills, like cold chills are like kind of like around your body. It feels like you're being wrapped in them as where spirit chills, literally you feel it in your spine. And I find, at least for me, I don't know how it is for everyone, but for me, when I feel them, I'll feel them in different parts of my spine. And then if it's something really intense, I feel it go from the bottom of my spine all the way up with like in, insane intensity. It's really, really cool. Somebody asked... How to emotionally tap into yourself after being disconnected with your feelings. I think there are two parts to this. The first is acknowledging why you have been disconnected from your feelings. Because this is going to keep coming up for you as you start feeling your feelings. The reason most people are disconnected and they haven't been feeling is because they're afraid to feel. They're afraid to be in their mind. They are afraid of like the intensity of their emotions. They're afraid of feeling things from the past. And so they have, you know, on a subconscious level, learned to disconnect from their emotions. And so you need to figure out why you're afraid of feeling your emotions before you can start feeling them. And then what I would recommend doing is making a list of all the emotions you're afraid to feel and Start with one. Start with one. Maybe you're afraid to feel fear. Maybe you're afraid to feel grief. I can give a personal example on that in a minute. Maybe you're afraid to feel anger. Maybe you're afraid to feel sadness. Maybe you're afraid to feel disappointment. Pick a feeling and then allow yourself to sit in that feeling for a moment or 
Maybe if that feels too confrontational for you, pick a feeling and then just observe throughout the day if that feeling comes up. And if it does, give yourself a few minutes to close your eyes and sit in it and just be with that feeling. The key with this is to just be with your feelings and to try not to sink too much into them because it can get very overwhelming in that way. But that's what I would recommend. I know for me, grief has been the bitchiest fucking emotion I've ever experienced in my life and I 10-10 would not recommend it. But you know, that's the hurting part of me that is saying that. So as a professional and a mindset coach and a life coach and a medium, what I'm going to say is that everything needs to be felt and I logically know this and you know, I am human so I still resist these kinds of things too it's not the easiest and grief for some reason just really fucks me right up. I have a lot of experience with grief in past lives and I feel like this is a really big reminder of that and in that way it's like a kind of healing and clearing and it makes so much sense to me that that's why Mystic is the one to kind of initiate that sort of transformation. I also know that like 95% of it, I'm going to argue and say 99% of it is just that it fucking hurts not having him here. And so I just really do avoid feeling it. I kept myself very, very busy in the month of October. Honestly, the month of September too. Like if I'm being completely honest, I used the excuse. So I felt it a lot this summer. I had like a breakdown every few weeks, like a massive breakdown every couple of weeks, just like sobbing over my grief. And then... I had my 10k race in August and it went super well and then after that it was like hardcore training for my half marathon in September and I kind of like made a bit of a I'm not gonna say like a deal with Mystic but I kind of made a deal with him and my team that they wouldn't kind of like force me to feel my grief they wouldn't push me because your guides will do that and my guides do that when there is something that I need to face or feel or heal. They they give me those nudges. They keep bringing it up until I deal with it. And I kind of had asked them, you know, this half marathon is really big for me and I just want to be all in with this. So can you please just not push me to feel my grief until after the half marathon? And they were like, absolutely no problem, not an issue. If it comes up and you feel like you can feel it, go for it, feel through it. And if not, don't worry about it. We'll deal with it after. (laughs) And then October came and I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm really fine. I'm really totally fine without feeling it. (laughs) And October was six months since Mystic passed. And I think that I just, it's actually wild because this Friday, so it's, um, I'm recording this like a, a week before you guys hear it. And this Friday is seven months since Mystic passed. And last month when I was kind of realizing like, oh my God, it's been half a year without this, this sweet little, this sweet little bean in my physical world and it hurts. And even talking about it now, I have tears in my eyes. I was like, yeah, I just, I don't need to acknowledge this right now. Like I do not need to feel this. I do not want to feel this. I'm not going to feel it. So I kept myself incredibly busy and then a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago at this point, it just kind of like came out like the floodgates, and I just sat with it. And I was at a point where I was like, you know what, it's okay. I'm just gonna sit with it. And I've also had to recognize, and this I feel like is more of like a grief thing rather than an emotions thing. So I don't want to 
kind of confuse it here you need to feel your emotions on like a daily basis. Like you need to be connected to your emotions because you're never going to live a life that is fulfilling if you don't let yourself live the emotional spectrum. And I feel like we could do like a whole fucking episode on emotions and the emotional spectrum. But grief is a very unique emotion. And I feel like it needs its own spectrum. I think it like it, it needs its own subsection in the emotional sphere of being a human and I've just kind of realized that I don't need to feel my grief every day I will feel it when it bubbles up and right now that is my process and listen maybe a grief psychologist would tell me that that's fucking wrong I honest to god don't give a single fuck I that's because I have a business to run and right now I'm one of the only people working on this business I don't have a full team yet I cannot get lost in my grief right now. And quite frankly, I don't think I ever really want to. I was really lost in it in April whenever he first passed. And I can't go back to that. And so I feel it in little doses. And that's my process. And I honor that. And I feel like if you're grieving, then that's kind of what you need to do. Or if you need to get lost in it, also get lost in it. I just know me. I can't get lost in something like that. Because I will will not fare very well if I do that. Okay, on to the next question. Can starseeds have multiple lives on planet Earth? Yeah, 99.9% of the population are starseeds, which means that your soul comes from another star system in the galaxy or maybe in a different universe, and you have incarnated your soul into a human body here on Earth, making you a star seed. Your soul is seeded from a different star. Or, well, we could get into complexities, but let's not for today. The, like everyone who's for the most part let's say everyone who has incarnated or was born before 2018 2018 yeah 2000 2018 2019 has had multiple incarnations on earth and fun fact if you've had well if you even if you're here for the first time for the for the most part let's let's speak up until 2018 2019 If you're on Earth, you've been here before. And if you're on Earth, you've actually incarnated in other star systems before. It was literally a requirement based on the conditions of Earth that you had to incarnate in other places. So yes, you've had multiple lifetimes on Earth. And it's okay if you don't remember them. It's also okay if you do. Okay. Dying to know your thoughts and the channeled answer to does Botox cause infertility? There's literally no research on it. So whenever I saw this question, I went into my channel and I was kind of playing around with this because I, you know, on a conscious human level, don't know this either. And so I was able to connect with some guides who said yes and no, and more heavily leaning on the no. So here is what we're going to say about it. Mostly no, like let's say 90% to like 92%, it's a no. It does not cause infertility. There are several factors that need to be taken into consideration when injecting anything into your body. And yes, I mean anything from an FDA approved vaccine to fucking heroin to injectables and things like Botox. You need to be very mindful that you are putting a man-made chemical compound into a biological system and the biological system that is your body is not man-made therefore 
there isn't an entire like the two don't go together like puzzle pieces and so when things don't go together like puzzle pieces we need to be very mindful of what those chemical compounds are doing to the body and do not I'm telling you right fucking now do not come for me for the fact that I included vaccines in that okay I am just conveying the information coming through my channel that's it don't fucking come for me don't fucking come for me. I'm not, ha- I'm not going to have it. Anyways, so with something like Botox, and I have actually gotten lip injections. I don't have them anymore, but I did. The biggest thing that you need to be mindful of is your energy when choosing to get these things because your energy influences your biology. It's called the placebo effect. It's been studied in both positive experiences and negative experiences. And so if you are very sensitive to chemicals and you know, I don't want to say not processed, but like manufactured, like fake things. And I'm not saying that these compounds are fake, but like if you are very sensitive to these kinds of chemicals and compounds, then you want to be very mindful of putting that in your body. You know, it's, it's just, it's kind of like dietary issues, right? If you know you have an issue with dairy, maybe don't put it in your body. If you don't have an issue with dairy, go ahead and eat it, whatever. It's the same with injectables and things like that. So if it feels good for you, go ahead and do it. There won't be, like there are no direct associations between Botox and reproductive health. What Spirit is getting at is that there are effects that many different kinds of chemical compounds have on the body and you need to be mindful of how your body is responding to that physically, mentally, and energetically. And the best example that I can give with this is the IUD. So if you're unfamiliar, the IUD is an intrauterine device. It is implanted into individuals with a uterus to act as a form of birth control. I had an IUD in 2018 for a few years, and I got it before I really allowed myself to tap into my mediumship okay I'd been on the pill since I was like 13 which is just now that I have information on hormonal health is just like absolutely horrible and I would never but anyways not the point but when I went through my awakening and really got so connected energetically to myself to my body to my spirit I was hyper aware that there was like my IUD in my uterus. I couldn't physically feel it, but I could tell you exactly where in my body it was because I could feel the energy radiating off of it. I also, oh, that might be like a TMI. You know, we're just, we're getting really honest on this podcast lately and just in my life. So (laughs) let's just go for it. I could also like feel the energy that the IUD had held on to from past partners. And you can just infer what I mean by that, okay? Even though I hadn't been with those partners in like months and years. And so the IUD got taken out and before my gynecologist even said it was out, I felt it come out. Like not physically, you don't, you don't feel it physically come out. Like it's, it's painless, Pain, painful as 
fuck getting put in. That's a whole story time that I could do um, if we want to talk about hormones and reproductive health and experiences with that. But whenever she took it out, I felt the energy completely leave my body. And then literally like a second and a half later, she's like, okay, it's out. We're all done. And I was like, of course it is because I felt that. And the connection that I have had to my body and how cleared out my uterus felt after getting the IUD removed was absolutely insane. Now I will say ever since then, I have been dealing with the worst hormonal acne I've ever had. I never had acne growing up like ever. And so there are other challenges that I've had to deal with, but that's a whole other health story. And I feel like we could do a health episode on the podcast. I feel like that's a good new year thing. New year, new health. (laughs) Oh God, I hate that trend (laughs) so fucking much. Anyways, my point with this and how we're relating it to injectables is the IUD for me, it's a hormonal FDA approved contraceptive. Biologically, it's fine for you. Let's not get into the, all of the, you know, all of the, the evidence that shows that hormonal birth control is really horrible for female fertility. Let's just, let's not get into that conversation right, right now. But when I got my lips filled, I felt totally fine. And honestly, I'd probably go get some filler again. I get tattoos and that is a man-made ink that's going into my body. I feel totally fine. I don't know how I personally feel about Botox. I also just like like the idea of aging. But if Botox feels good for you, there will be no direct link to your fertility status. However, you need to monitor how you're responding to it energetically and physically. Fertility has several other factors, and I feel like that's a conversation that we can do as well on its own on the podcast. So will Botox directly affect your fertility? 92% no. Like, honestly, like, no. I'm going to say even, they're telling me to just keep it at 92%, so I'm just going (laughs) to take the information as it's coming through. But if your body reacts to it and energetically you feel flooded with density from the injectable compound, then I would really urge you to not get it. I would also be mindful of like where you're getting Botox and where you're getting fillers. If you're getting fillers in your stomach close to your uterus, if you are getting um, fillers in your butt, in your hips to make it nice and plump and juicy, you know, just be mindful of those things. The closer you are to your reproductive system, the more it's going to get hit and flooded with these compounds. But no, there is no direct link to, to infertility with that. I love this question. This is so fun. Do I believe that the ring test shows the accurate gender of the kids you're going to have, like that you're pregnant with, um, or how many kids you're going to have? I don't know about how many kids you're going to have. And the little aside that I'll add with this is that the amount of souls that want to incarnate into your family can change. Sometimes it's predetermined, like you're going to have a set amount of kids because that is in your contract. Sometimes you will only contract kids that want to come into your family and sometimes souls change their mind. Sometimes they decide that they're going to come and then they decide, ooh, that's not for me. Maybe I'm not feeling really like coming to earth anymore, actually. And then sometimes there are, oftentimes, this is happening a lot right now, there are souls who weren't exactly planning on coming to earth, but can see that their soul gifts will be 
um, really utilized here and they want to come. And so you might say, oh, I really feel like there's two kids and then you'll have two kids. And then five years later, you'll be like, wait, why do I feel like another soul that wants to come into our family? It's because a new soul has, you know, is kind of asking if you will welcome it into your, your family. And this is maybe not something that was pre-contracted for you. This is something that's more new. So in terms of how many you'll have, I'm really not sure on that. However, I will say the ring test, whenever you're pregnant and you're um, picking the gender or you're asking about the gender or the sex, I should say rather, it's accurate. I have done this with my sisters for all their pregnancies. There has been um, four pregnancies brought to term and they have all been accurate. And actually, I just had my sweet niece join us Earthside about five days ago. And it's been so cool because, you know, she she was really funny. <laughs> She's my third niece from my, my, one of my sisters. And whenever my sister and I, we were hanging out in July, 2022, all the girls in the family had this like pool party and we got really wasted. I actually think I recorded an episode when I was like violently hung over a couple of days after. And my sister was like, you know, I don't know if I want to have another kid. Like, I feel like I'm done. She has my two other nieces and she's like, I don't know if I'm done. She's like, but part of me is like, Oh, I don't know. Like I kind of want a third. And my niece comes in and I had felt her soul lingering around for a while. And she's like, I want to come into this family. I want to be born, you know, to my sister and her husband. And my sister was like, do you feel anything with this? Like, can you tell me anything? I was like, how honest do you want me to be, dude? She's like, I want you to tell me everything. So I told her, I said, yes, there is another soul that is very much ready to come into your family. Like literally at any time that you are ready to welcome it. And I was like, I feel it's very masculine. But what's funny, this little fucker Honestly, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. It's not her fault, but souls have a dominant polarity. So your whole soul is both yin and yang comprised. But as we've you know spoken about on the podcast before, only half of the soul incarnates. So you are either predominantly yin, feminine, or predominantly yang, masculine. And my niece that was just born, she's female in her sex, but her polarity is more masculine. She's more yang. And so I told my sister, I was like, I really feel like masculine energy. Like if she's not a boy, I'll be shocked. Well, I was like, if the baby, if the soul is not a boy, I'll be really shocked. Like I really feel strong boy energy. And I think my niece was just playing around because she's so funny and she has such a fiery, fiery soul. Like she is hilarious. I had channeled her quite a bit leading up, like throughout the, you know, her conception and the pregnancy and her birth and planning for her soul contract. <laughs> and it was just so funny when we did the ring test before my sister found out the sex of the baby. <laughs> it said a fucking girl and I just heard my niece laughing on the other side I was like you fucker and I think in part it was kind of like a little joke of like she'll be more open-minded my sister to having a third child if you know if she thinks it's going to be a boy because she had two girls and she kind of wanted a son she would have been she was she was obviously so happy to have a third daughter like don't get it twisted um but yeah, my niece is um, in a female body, but she has a very yang energy to her soul. So that's what I was picking up on. So that's a funny little story, but I have seen that the ring test is very, very accurate. So I hope that that helps. It's really fun. And it's just, it's so cute. So someone else asked how to explain our belief system to other people. I get so confused. So I think... I think let's start with one thing. 
Our belief system is a collective belief system, which would be a religion, not spirituality. So although I'm getting really technical on your semantics here, I just kind of want to preface with that because my spiritual beliefs probably aren't your spiritual. Well, you know what? I shouldn't say that because (laughs) there's like 6,000 of you listening to me every fucking month. So on some level, my beliefs resonate with you and my teachings and what I channel resonates with you. But spirituality is not one conglomerate of concepts and ideas that every spiritualist will believe. It is the merging of quantum physics and a higher power, a divine power or divine consciousness fused together. It's the merging between science and religion. And so spirituality is not this big overarching belief system. Spirituality is one's individual belief in something greater than themselves. That's it. And so our belief systems are likely very different or at least vary on some degree. Now, how you explain that to other people is also entirely up to you. For me, I really, I'm very tight-lipped about my spiritual practices and my spiritual beliefs. It's actually something that whenever, it's why you guys don't know what I do spiritually, like behind the scenes. You guys know I'm a medium, but I assume that maybe you have the assumption, like I'm assuming that you're assuming, how fun is that? That I'm like, you know, doing moon circles and going to sound healing and, you know, singing Kumbaya under the full moon and doing full moon releases and new moon manifestations. I don't do fucking any of that. Like, I don't do any of that. I dabbled in it at the beginning, trying to find like my place in what it meant to be spiritual. And then I realized that just being myself was the most spiritual thing that I could do. And I have practices that I like, but I'm very tight-lipped on them. It's actually something that whenever I get interviewed on podcasts, on other people's podcasts, they will send like a screening of questions and I'll send back you know, what questions are approved and what's not approved and questions that I will never answer are my morning routine, my evening routine and my preferred spiritual practices because that is my relationship with the divine. It has absolutely no effect on the collective in the sense of like, just because I'm doing it doesn't mean you should and, or just because I'm doing it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Like I just keep it so private. And so I'm very much like that with spiritual concepts as well. I will not bring something up to someone unless I, as a medium, feel a nudge to do so. And and I think that's also very important. The one thing that I find super disrespectful, whether you're religious or spiritual, is like pushing your beliefs onto someone. And, you know, there are people in my family. My family is so supportive of me, by the way. They love me dearly. I love them dearly. And I think I've spoken about this before, how my brother is like so not into this stuff. And I love that so much. But he is one of my biggest fucking cheerleaders. And he has so much respect for me and trust in me that he knows that what I'm doing has legitimacy and validity. And like he doesn't doubt that what I'm saying and doing and teaching is accurate. He knows that it is. He just doesn't want any part in it. And I think that that is something that everyone needs to respect about other humans on this planet. And so when it comes to explaining your beliefs 
to someone, I mean, on a very, very, very broad spectrum or like overview of it, all you have to say is that you believe in the universe or you believe in source or you believe in a higher power or higher intelligence or simply that you just believe that there is more to life than meets the eye. Because within that, that leaves them the ability to kind of infer maybe what that means. And if they're interested, they'll ask you more questions. And if not, I mean, feel free to share, but try not to convert. There's a difference between sharing because you want someone to get to know you and like sharing to convert. And, you know, I'm not here to convert anyone. Honestly, someone asked me the other day, I forget the context of this conversation of like being like feeling like you need to like prove your, um, how did that come about? Needing to prove what I teach or like needing to prove that like I know what I'm speaking of when it comes to these things because you know they're kind of out there and I honestly don't feel the need to prove anything to anyone I have had so many beautiful conversations with skeptics but they are skeptics who are open-minded I was a skeptic this is what people don't understand I was a fucking atheist (laughs) okay I actually still don't believe in you know, the whole God concept, I have a more scientific understanding of that, that works for me. I was fucking atheist for a long time, or maybe agnostic is the right word. I didn't know what I believed in, but I definitely did not believe in God or religion. I was the biggest skeptic ever because I like to analyze things. I like when things make sense. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, things really started making sense whenever I accepted my mediumship because there is really an answer for everything. Sometimes it's not a fun answer either, but there is an answer for everything. So you just tell them that you believe that there's more to the meaning of life than meets the eye. And I don't know, let them interpret what that means for you. How is the in-between lives only conscious or human body-like as a spirit? I have no idea at all. Okay, that's a great question. So in-between lives is the exact same as afterlife. I think people feel like there might be this place you go in between incarnating and that it's different from where you go after incarnating. It is the exact same place. Your spirit guides, your higher self, your past on loved ones, and your future lifetimes all exist within the same realm and same dimensions of the universe or the multiverse. So the form that you will take is very dependent on you as a soul. There are times I was, I like to be in like a bit of a form most often, but there are also times where I'm just pure consciousness, like pure light, and I'm just whipping around the universe, getting shit done. There are some souls who, whenever they leave the human experience, they don't want to be in form at all. They just want to be conscious. They just want to be energy. And whenever I say be conscious, what that means is, If you close your eyes right now and you think in your head and you have this awareness of your toes and this awareness of your needs and this awareness that you are existing, that consciousness, that awareness of yourself never leaves. Not when you die, not when you incarnate, like that is, you're always going to have awareness of yourself and that is the exact same when you are on the other side. Some souls like to just be back in pure awareness. Some like to take form. Form will typically be more like holographic is I guess the best way to explain it. But let's let's use that term kind of loosely. It's just like an energy body, an energy form. Because you have multiple energy bodies 
around you in the human experience. There are seven auric bodies and you can Google that and see. It's really, really cool. We'll probably do an episode on that as well. And in between lifetimes, sometimes you incarnate somewhere else. Sometimes you do work. Sometimes you take rest. For example, when I died in October 1942, there was not a fat chance in the good graces of this universe that I was going to be one, rushing back to incarnate on earth. No fucking thank you. It took me almost 50 years to get back here. And there was also not a fat fucking chance that I was going to be going back to work on the other side. If you listened to my episode with Emily the Medium on galactic astrology, you hear her talking about how as a soul, I have been doing a lot of work for like, oh my God, so long. And it really translates into my workaholism here in the physical, but there's a job that needs to be done and I have been doing it. Obviously, I'm not the only soul that's like this. I'm not the only one doing this job, but it's very important to me. It's part of why I incarnated with the role that I have in this lifetime. But after 1942, I literally could not go back to work, essentially. Like I had so much shit to work through from what I witnessed in that lifetime, my death. And so I went into a rest period. And then once my own personal individual healing was done I then went into like this group work kind of environment where we were kind of like okay how the I just saw 222 as I'm saying this is so fucking wild I um went into this kind of like group network of souls who had also experienced the same thing and we started kind of like you know figuring out where we were gonna go from there and how we were gonna help the circumstances after that I don't know exactly what the timeline of that is I don't know how long I was in rest for because time works very very differently up there on the other side like in higher dimensions or in spirit as you might say so I don't know how long that was and in if we were to relate that into like earth linear earth years but I took a solid amount of rest I feel like I took like what it feels like to me is I took like three or four months of of deep pure soul healing rest And then I went back to work and then I incarnated. So I died in 1942, October, 1942. And I was born November, 1997. So I had a nice break in between earth incarnations, which was so fucking necessary. So necessary. I've actually had quite long breaks between, between my lifetimes. How do our loved ones listen to our prayers after they die? It's like, like telepathy it's like you can just think something and they can hear you yeah that's the short simple answer why is earth so tiring and difficult I actually talk about this in another episode called why are we human I really recommend listening to that and I also talk about it in the episode what you chose for this life and why you forget it all it's all about soul amnesia that's a more recent episode why are we human I think is episode six and so I'm going to refer you there because I go really deep into it. This is the hardest planet to incarnate on in a very, very, very large portion of our universe. And not just like, like it's, it's a lot. Like it's in the entire galaxy, but also in this like quadrant space of the universe, which is like comprised of hundreds of galaxies. It is the hardest planet to incarnate on because of the soul amnesia. And so that's why it's hard and tiring. It's also the only planet in this quadrant as well of the universe that is physical where like I could knock on wood and it's physical like my hand doesn't go through it because the planet is third dimensional rather than 
fifth dimensional, which actually brings me into a very common question that you guys DM me about, which I'm going to answer soon. So that's why it's very dense down here. You forget who you are. You forget your soul and you forget everything that you planned before you were born. And so it makes it very stressful, but those episodes will break it down for you more so. And then that brings to the question of what is the 5D or new earth? So I saw a post the other day and I'm, I feel like this is why this you know, episode is coming out right now where they were like, there are actually two earths, two physical different earths, the old earth and the new earth. You can totally hear my opinion as I'm making the tone talking about this post. There is not two different... I guess if we want to get technical, okay, there is, but they are not separating. Everything is multidimensional. Your physical body is third dimensional, fifth dimensional, and so on and so forth. You have energy bodies, like I was saying earlier. You are a multidimensional being. Don't believe me? Google CIA holographic matrix. You're welcome. Go read the 27 page half redacted document and talk to me about it later. This is stuff that we have known as mediums for the fucking, since the beginning of fucking time on this planet that is just coming out now publicly. So we are multidimensional beings, which means that there are multiple versions of us existing at once. Energetically, the fifth dimensional self or higher, you know, the seventh dimensional self as well, or the third dimensional self, which is the physical human. If you're very lost on what I am saying, go listen to one of the earliest episodes on the podcast, Awakening Through the Dimensions of Consciousness. I break this down so intricately and so detailed for you that hopefully by the end of it, you'll have a full understanding of what it means to be multidimensional. It's a really beautiful episode and explains it all. The earth is the same. There is a third dimensional earth and there is a fifth dimensional earth. Think of it as Russian dolls. This is how I teach this. You know those Russian dolls where there's like a little one that or like a really big doll and inside it there's a smaller doll and then inside that doll there's an even smaller doll and inside that doll there's an even smaller doll and just goes on and on and on until you get this really 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 tiny minuscule doll. That is dimensions. And so the outer dimension would be the seventh dimension, let's say. And then the smaller doll on the inside would be maybe the sixth dimension. The smaller doll on the inside is the fifth dimension. And going on and and inward for several dimensions. There are 12 total dimensions, how we kind of piece it all together from the human perspective. Humans can exist, um, you know, humans do exist one through seven, but you often don't tap into four, five, six, seven. You're usually constricted to third dimensional you because of the lack of awareness or awakening you have to your soul. This is what has been changing since 2012 is that there has been these massive awakenings, most especially since 2020 in the pandemic, where people are awakening to their higher dimensional self. They're awakening to their soul and they're tapping into their energetic bodies, their energetic beings, and they are becoming more enlightened and they're living different lives and they're taking non-traditional paths and they're questioning why things are the way that they are and they're doing things differently and they're breaking cycles and they're the black sheep in their family. That's what it means to enter in to your soul self, your higher self, your best self. They're hearing their intuition. They're following it, right? The earth is the same. So the earth has a fifth dimensional template that a lot of individuals on the planet already live on, myself included. A lot of you listening are also included in that. 
That doesn't mean that we are now suddenly holographic beings who can manifest a banana at will in their hand the moment they think of it, which would be the case if you were incarnated in, let's say, fifth dimensional Pleiades, a star cluster that's not too far from Earth in the Taurus constellation or outside of the Taurus constellation, if you look in that direction. We are still in a way, bound to the third dimensional earth because right now earth's third dimensional properties and density is still very strong collectively as a human species and as well vibrationally the entire cosmic body that is planet earth has not fully gone through its awakening to fully ascend into the fifth dimension that is going to take at least 2000 years and i think it's so adorable when humans are like fifth dimensional earth is coming no fifth dimensional earth is here people are already living it but we're not suddenly going to turn into holographic beings like that that's just not going to be the case humans are actually always going to exist in a very you know physical more dense kind of form but they're not gonna ever totally evolve into this fifth dimensional it's gonna be very different and you know we're gonna only see those physical changes really over the next 2000 years they're just starting right now we're in the destruction phase we're in like demo we're in demolition right now in terms of the awakening glow up that we're having as a species and as a planet but over time, there are going to be these really beautiful shifts and things are going to be really different. But this is why you have people who are so entrenched in fear and so many people who are so entrenched in peace and knowing that, okay, if I can't fix something, then I need to focus on my peace because that's how I actually help the world and help the planet and help people. So there are no two different separate earths that are like twins beside each other. There are... It's just a multidimensional cosmic body, just as you are a multidimensional human being or a multidimensional being having a human experience is really the more accurate way to say that. I also feel like I talk about the fifth dimensional earth in an earlier episode. I don't know. Go take a look. But that's the long and the short of it. Somebody else asked, what's the purpose of life when there is an end to it? Experience. We, there, there is no end. Like there, it's, this is, this is a concept that really fucks up my ego. If I think about it too much, like the concept of eternity, how even when I die, I will never die because my soul will always be this consciousness because the multiverse is eternal. It is infinite. It is just continuing and continuing and continuing and continuing and continuing. It has no beginning nor an end. Life has no, no end. It's just the form in which you take that expires right and that's what makes grief as a medium very challenging in all honesty but just because this life ends you know the the physical body the physical experience that you will have as the individual you you are here it ends doesn't mean you end for example I died in October 1942 that life ended I went on and continued doing things on the other side and now I'm back here with you again today on this planet, I have a new name, a new body. I don't speak German. Well, actually, I speak a little bit of German, but I don't live in Germany anymore. I'm not a six foot to 185 pound lanky fucking lawyer out in Munich, Germany. That's not my role. That's not my lifetime. I am Mads in this lifetime, and I'm doing something very different in this lifetime, kind of, for the most part, you know? But those lifetimes didn't end. Like, whenever I 
depart from this physical reality and this physical experience as mads, I can select in the quantum field that past life. And I won't do this because I really don't want to relive it. But if I wanted to, I could project my consciousness back into that past life reality and re-experience it. It won't be, it's not really like experiencing it from the first time, but like I could watch it like a movie. And I know I'm going to do that with this lifetime. There have been moments where I'm like, catalog that, catalog that, catalog that. Just these like memories, these moments where I've kind of flagged them for my myself when I depart this physical reality so that when I am back on the other side and I'm doing life review or I just need to take a break from the work I'm doing on the other side I can come and like it makes me so emotional actually I can like come and revisit certain memories and experiences from this lifetime because it has been so beautiful (laughs) and it's like just the beginning of it and there's like so many things that I'm just going to want to replay kind of like rewind and replay like a movie. And so, you know, the, the bigger purpose of why souls come here is because they want to learn things that they can't learn in, in other dimensions and other types of incarnations throughout the, you know, the universe. Also because earth is in such a monumental galactic shift that souls want to come here to provide their gifts to humanity for some people, that's, you know, what I do, being a medium, like Emily does, being a medium. For other people, that's being a hormone nutritionist, like one of my good friends, or being an herbalist, like one of my other friends. For some, it's being a nurse, like one of my other friends, or being an incredible HR manager, an HR employee, like one of my other friends, or being a conservationist for a conservation authority, like my, like my dad does. And for some people, it's just about being here and doing something that maybe seems so mundane, you know, maybe working as a cashier or whatever it is that people feel would not be of purpose. And this is why when people ask me like, you know, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to simply be here and be the best version of yourself, the happiest, healthiest, dreamiest version of you. Dare we bring in the A Happy Human group coaching course slogan? I think we shall. You know, that's the, that's the purpose of it. You're learning so much here. The fact that you are here and you do not remember the fact that you are a soul having a human experience, that in and of, do you understand how much of a learning curve that is for you as a soul? Like to literally be in amnesia. I say this as someone who has come out of amnesia in a couple of lifetimes. It is hilarious every time, every time. Even now I'll have moments. I had a moment a couple of months ago where I was sitting and I was channeling my team and I was like, There is a piece of my purpose and my work that I'm meant to do with everyone here in the collective that I haven't quite figured out yet. And I landed on the fact that I am here to help you remember. Like that is my job here. Help them remember. (laughs) And then there were two really funny pieces that I'm still sorting out of, okay, what am I helping them remember, first of all? And the gist of it is helping you remember that you are more than just a human in this human experience. You are a soul that is here, helping you remember your soul, unlocking the path back to your soul. Hello, podcast slogan. That's like the biggest thing. But there's other things that I'm meant to help you remember that I don't remember. (laughs) And then the really funny piece of it all, when talking with my guides, I was like, I don't remember how I'm supposed to help them remember. (laughs) And I laughed for a solid two minutes. I was like, that's just, 
that's funny. And to me, that's hilarious because it's like, oh my God, this is part of me, you know, awakening out of soul amnesia in different areas of my own life still, trying to, you know, bring more of my soul and my gifts into this human experience. But that's, that's the reason. Life doesn't end. The experience you're having as this one person, it comes to an end, I guess you could say, if you don't want to revisit it or replay it when you're in soul form you'll have to review it um, at the end of life there is life review that is kind of like a mandatory thing for uh, individuals it's like necessary but I mean yeah I don't know I don't know how to answer that without getting a little existential on you which this whole podcast is existential but it's fine Someone else had asked the question of how do you know you're awakening for the first time on the planet or if you've awakened before? Such an interesting question. This is something I really have to kind of go into my channel with in the sense of like remembering my first time awakening on the planet or just knowing what that would be like now because it's not my first time doing that now. I've kind of had a a nice little go around the block a few times here on earth with awakening into this information and sharing it. So let me just kind of see um, everything. So yeah, the first thing that comes through with this is where souls who have incarnated on earth before and have awakened, the, the systems of earth feel familiar, albeit completely fucking nonsensical. You know what I mean? Like we can look, I think we can collectively look at things on the planet and be like, yeah, that does not fucking work. Why are they doing that? Like it, what the fuck? But there's almost this like familiarity with earth of like, well, like that's just how it's always been. Like that's the systems that have been in place. You don't want to get stuck in the can't do anything about it energy. That's not the point here with this, but it just kind of feels familiar. So whenever you become aware of these things and then you start questioning why things are the way that they are, the answers feel more familiar. Like it feels really like you are just remembering it rather than learning it right? Right? Does that make sense? There's a, there's a really different kind of energetic experience between remembering and learning. And that's, that's also true with past life things. And that's how you know what past life memories are. There's a difference between, you know, imagination and thinking of something rather than remembering it. Remembering has this kind of like emotional charge that's connected to it in some way. And so when you're awakening for the first time on the planet, it seems very new. And I almost feel like there it's almost like a brighter flash of light it's kind of like if you were in a, a room deprived of light and then suddenly for like a very long time and then suddenly all the lights came on I feel like it's kind of jarring in that sense and it feels unfamiliar you're kind of like what the fuck and it's I mean it's gonna feel uncomfortable and you're gonna have a lot of what the fuck moments regardless of if it's your first time or not the majority of souls are not awakening for the first time on the planet. The majority have come into some sort of awareness before this lifetime is what comes through. But it, but it feels like all like all the lights just come on suddenly as where like in in the in, in sense of the like intensity, maybe not necessarily in how the information comes through. This is where we're getting really this is very this is a more complex answer than I was thinking. And I guess with that, if you've awakened on the planet before, the intensity kind of feels like flicking one light on at a time. But that's not correlated to 
how you receive the information, like how you receive awareness, like it can all come on for you. Like all of this awareness can come to you in your, oh, that's so, how do you explain? Oh, this is one of those things that's really, really hard to put into, into human physical words. I wish I could just like transplant the visual in my mind into yours, but it's going to feel new. It's going to feel more jarring than it does to someone who has awakened before. Again, still jarring, depending where you're at in your life when you go through your awakening. It's a lot to handle. It's a lot to take in. But I just feel like the intensity, it's like, it's like, it's like a kid seeing something for the first time. It's like, you know, it's like big eyes and like major curiosity, major, 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 major curiosity as where someone who's awakened on the planet before, it's like curious and like, oh yeah, but then it's like, oh yeah, that's just how it is. And then moving on. So I hope that that makes sense. It's like a really, it's a really, I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging on that. Um, if you're the person that answered this question or asked this question and you're still very confused, let me know. The majority of you listening have probably come into some level of awareness at some point in your lifetime. It's why whenever you found this podcast, you weren't like initially turned off. Like it's why you're here listening. You know what I mean? Like there's a part of you that remembers and maybe that part of you is more soulfully connected. Like maybe it's more your soul higher self that is connected to this. Or maybe it's you and your soul and some of those past lifetimes that are very connected to the fact that this is being spoken about and you're able to digest this information because you do remember. And so, yeah, that's that's that. And I feel like that's all the questions that we can kind of get through today. We're already at like an hour and I don't want this to go too long. But what I do want to share with you is that I am hosting a free workshop November 22nd to help you clear your nervous system, get into the feeling of safety so that you can claim your fucking dream life. And I know you hear people talking about their dream lives all the time. And you're like, oh, I'm so sick of hearing about that. You know, it's not as easy as it seems. Well, guess what? This workshop, it's here to make it easier for you. The reason you're not living the life that you want is because your nervous system cannot handle it. If you want to live a life that is more fulfilling, more peaceful, that you're happier in, that has more expansive opportunities, you need to get your nervous system on board. You need to clear out limiting beliefs and stagnant energies and repressed emotions. And I'm going to be bringing you through that in our entire workshop on November 22nd. It is free. And the best part about this is that you, if you attend the workshop on November 22nd, you are getting early access to the Mads Mess birthday bash sale because my birthday is on November 24th and I am having a massive fucking sale this year so that you can get the help and the guidance and the products that you love from Mads Mess for an extremely never going to be done again and discounted rate <laughs> here, um, you know, in the, in the business, you're going to be getting a free gift for attending. There's going to be a giveaway for live attendees, uh, a giveaway that I have never done before. And we'll probably do for my birthday next year, but the discount will not be the same as next year. It's not going to be the same at all. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm going to be launching also a VIP experience for a very special person who that person is, I don't know. It's one of you that's out there that's going to be attending or watching that workshop and being like, yep, this is for me. I'm doing this. I'm the VIP. I'm really excited to meet you. I'm really excited to work with you. 
So I'm going to be launching all of that on November 22nd. You'll get early access to all the sales because it's really just a one day, 24 hour flash sale on my actual birthday. But you guys are going to have three days to access that sale and get all of the goodies that you want. So I am, you know, just going to leave that there. But the workshop itself is going to be so, so, so transformative. The link is below. Make sure you register. Yes, a replay will be sent, but the giveaway is only given to someone who signs up and attends live. So the link is below. Join us for our free workshop to heal your nervous system and step into your highest, dreamiest, best self. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. As usual, go be your divine self this week. You got this. I love you.